In this fast-paced world where everything moves quickly and we're on to the next thing before we finish what we're doing, we might stop a moment and reflect on our thoughts and how they echo through time. They are not a one-and-done phenomenon. They linger and hang around in our subconscious, waiting to surface again. Hi, I'm Beth Boness, host of the Thought Echoes podcast. I hope you enjoy my conversation about time travel and thought echoes with Catherine Benfante, author of Scattered, a time travel novel. Hi, I'm I'm Catherine Benfante, and I'm honored to be here on Beth's podcast uh, to speak about uh, my book Scattered and creative process and creative minds and thoughts. Um, so Beth asked me to talk about uh, how I came to write my book. And it's a time travel novel. And it's a, obviously a work of fiction. Unfortunately, we can't time travel yet. But uh, it would be great. And I think I think a lot of people uh, have such a, uh, a broad imagination. And I think that's why sci-fi is such an interesting genre that we come up with these crazy ideas and we have to find a way to make them work into a believable novel. And that's kind of what I did with my book, to be honest. I was doing something very benign at the time. I was washing dishes and just staring out the window. And I was thinking about my past, uh, like a past physics lecture that I had attended in my undergraduate days, which were at the time quite recent. And I was thinking about a physicist who had worked in the university where I attended and he's very famous, Ernest Rutherford, and our physics lecturer told us that he had conducted his experiments in the basement of uh, what was then our library. And these, these experiments were, were famous. They're what determined that the atom has a nucleus, which was revolutionary at the time. This was about 1906. And so while I was sitting there washing dishes, I was remembering this lecture and I thought, wow, what if there was some experimental mishap in his lab? And there was you know, a confluence of radiation, which was part of the experiment, and electricity and a magnetic field. And what if Rutherford's daughter, who I didn't even know at the time existed, what if she touched some lab equipment that she shouldn't have and opened some sort of time portal and was sent 100 years in the future to 2006? And I just stopped washing dishes and I thought, wow, this could actually be a novel idea. <laughs> and so I did research and pumped out 100,000 words and uh, it was it, it was just an idea born of nothing and it turned out to to be a quite a cool adventure. Yeah, it was I I know when I'd signed up I think for your newsletter where you gave a teaser of the okay. first chapter. I think that was um I mean I was fascinated by the idea but it was actually the teaser that I got an opportunity to um to read some of it. And so it was like, okay, tell me when the book's out, you know, oh, um, thank you. and it was so much fun. And I, I think I, I sent you a shot when I was, I brought it along to a trip to Joshua tree national park, which is kind of this otherworldly place to be in, which has nothing to do with the East coast or anything, but you just kind of get into this um, almost this time warp of slowing down and so ha reading this time travel <laughs> novel in Joshua Tree was just kind of, uh, I, it just gave it an extra oomph, you know, kind of thing. So I, I didn't realize that you were actually in the building 
and that you were taking that there was that trigger as opposed to just reading about because you've done other science based um other science based stories right uh i'm working on one now okay um, I've, I've written another time travel story but this was this was definitely my first science fiction with science in it yeah and, and yeah. yes i did i went to mcgill uh like my main character is both of my main characters um there's uh -huh. a male and female protagonist there you know and yeah. uh yeah so i kind of i drew on those experiences it, sure. it was just very fun and just all the when she'd get into, I don't want to give the plot, I don't want to give the story away, but she'd get into these situations and it's like, how are you, you know, how are you going to get past that? Oh, that's how you're going to get past that. And it was just fun to see the obstacles, you know, imagining what it would be like. Um, and it, I watch, I had watched the Dickinson series about Emily Dickinson. Have you seen that? I have not. No. It's really, it's, it's fabulous. It's, it's a little bit, um, uh, it's it's written in the 1900s, early 1900s, 18-1900s, but it's got rap music and there's a lot of um, current references to it. But all the issues around women shouldn't write, you know, you can't publish and all those kind of imagining now as a woman with as much as we have. We've made a lot of progress, but we have not made a lot of progress in ways. But you go back to that and just trying to imagine being back then and trying to you know, find your way. So I, that's a little free tip to oh, sure. something that's, I, I tell people that she has a, a relationship with death. Emily Dickinson does in her poems. And it's a coach that comes out with these ghost horses. And if you can imagine uh, Snoop Dogg and Johnny Depp in a character, that's who death is. It's oh just, my goodness. it's just really, it's a really crazy thing. Oh, so that, you got this idea of washing dishes. Yes. When it my just, mind was blank. Yeah. And I think that's when the best ideas come, when you relax your brain and you stop actively thinking about everything that you have going on. Like right, to right. This and all your chores and what your family needs and what you need. It, it's and the it only time, I think, to let that flow. So can you talk about, um, with this as kind of a seed, it, can you talk about, as a writer, what your relationship is with your thoughts? Uh, I, I think other authors are like this, but my characters have conversations in my head a lot of times before they uh, get written down or typed out. And mm -hmm. uh, I see everything kind of how it's supposed to be before I write it. And I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that I plan my books, not to the point that, um, some authors do like I know JK Rowling wrote notebooks and notebooks and notebooks before she wrote her you know the, the eight Harry Potter seven Harry Potter novels uh but I write an outline mm -hmm. brief outline so I know my plot points and then I write a detailed outline for each chapter and I work from there so I have an idea of what goes on and I know what my characters would say mm -hmm. and all that is just roaming around in my head for me, I can't wait too long to write it down mm. because it, it will go. And I don't know if that's just because I'm getting older or if that's <laughs> the way it is for everyone. But, you know, sometimes I have to write things really quickly, like a conversation. I need to write right. very quickly without tags just so I can get down exactly what their phrases are, because I feel like that has to be um it has to be accurate. I don't want to forget it. And then I'll go back and and sort of fill in some places. Mm -hmm. I, I recently learned another author does that 
for writing an entire chapter will go back and just write the bones to get it all out of his head. And I thought that uh, was pretty unique. Um, but, but yeah, every, I, I think everything happens in your head first, right? Right. So then when you, when your these characters are, will be in scenes, so to speak, mm-hmm. do you have a sense, this is kind of crazy, but if, if you imagine that those characters are characters, so there's uh, actors have a, uh, off-screen and an on-screen persona. So do you ever okay. have a sense of these, they're they're getting ready to do the scene like, okay, director, that's you, pay attention because I'm going to be in character now. Is Do they ever, do they ever wow. go out of character? I, I never thought of it <laughs> like that. No, for me, I think everything backstage is someone else's responsibility. Yeah. And I'm just, you know, the, the 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 director right there on set or right in front it's of like, the stage right and almost like a note taker in a way like a director and a mm. note taker to to make sure you record how it's right how it's done and you know notes for corrections later hey right? that's just editing right I know there was a a screenplay that I have a a draft of um that I partially pitched but uh-huh. there are characters it's about subconscious personalities and there's one time in real life I woke up in the morning and it was trying to go to sleep, but it was in that dream state. Mm-hmm. And I woke up and all my characters were, there were like a half a dozen of them, were in the customer conference room at the company I was working at at the time. And they were arguing over how something should be. And I come storming into this room as me, like they're all, you know, they're they're real people, but they're, you know, different personified sub- subconscious personalities. And I'm like, would you guys shut up? I can't get to sleep and I know you do your stuff at night, but can you please be quieter? And then I, so I have, a, I've had a sense of those guys are on break while I'm writing something else. And periodically they come to my, into my dream saying, okay, this is a lot long coffee break, you know, or smoking break, but we want to yeah. come back. So I was just curious if, if those characters were ever out of character. Wow. Wow. No, I've not had that experience. That's phenomenal. Do you, when you're, when you're uh, working on a project or in between projects, do you have any kind of practice writing that you do any journaling or things just to kind of um, grease the skids, so to speak with your creative muscle at all? A, a little, I, I don't journal. I, I did briefly and it's just not my thing, mm-hmm. but I do meet monthly with a writing group here. Um, and meets, we meet at our library. And we just do creative, um, excuse me, creative prompts. And sometimes they're visual and sometimes they're like pictures. Sometimes they're words. Sometimes we'll roll a dice and, you know, it'll land on a card and then that'll be, you know, the setting or something like that. Right. And it's just completely free write. And that is a really good time to try new genres or try writing Mm -hmm. different tenses or from different perspectives. And I usually try to, to do that just to see if maybe I like writing in a different way that I didn't know before. Yeah. And I probably should do that more at home, but I find that I just, sometimes a break from writing is good. Yeah. Even though it's such, you feel like you have to get it out sometimes. I I think if you have a story in your head, it's, if if you, if you don't write it on paper or type it out, you're going to go crazy, I think. Right. But you can't run full tilt all the time. And sometimes yeah. the break is good. So I don't mind the periods when I'm not writing, even though I hate editing more <laughs> uh, than not doing anything. I, 
a little break is helpful. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, there are times I've got a writing ritual in the morning that I do, which is just a, a Natalie Goldberg has a, a priority, which is using just a prompt and you go, you know, you don't edit and you just keep going and yes. whatever comes up on what, you know, what you see out your window. And if you start talking about something from your childhood, just write that, you know, or come back or whatever, but it's the concept of uh, like a musician does scales. And so I enjoy that. So I'll use different topics um, that I'm working on, whether it's for the newsletter or in the memoir that I'm doing, or if I'm stuck and I'll just kind of come up with a prompt because then I just, it's like washing the dishes where there's no specific thing that I'm trying to do. Um, but anyway, so I was curious how you engaged with your writing when it wasn't the project, you know, specific part. Yes. Um, since we're talking about, since this is all about thought echoes, a question I have is that when you engage with your thoughts, are there certain thoughts that you have echo over time or recurring thoughts, um, whether it's dreams or memories or uh, an idea that you don't know where it's going to go? Like, you know, had you gotten this time travel bug that was planted someplace? Did it, had it percolated for a while before it showed up doing the dishes? Um, so what kind of thoughts do thoughts from your perspective kind of um, show up periodically over time? That's a really good question. For me, I think it really varies for scattered. I did not have any kind of plan for it. And it just literally came to me in a flash. And then I immediately set about plotting it and, and planning and researching, but it did take a while to write. Honestly, I started it in 2009 and I stopped, uh, I want to say maybe six months after that, I got about halfway through and I stalled and it took me until 2013 to pick it up again after mm. I got married, had a kid. And then I finally had some time and in, in, I had been able to think about different places where the plot could go. And so I think I did need to bounce that around my head for a while. Mm -hmm. And I finally found where I wanted it to go. And I finished writing it and, you know, I, I edited it and tried to get an agent and it, it wasn't quite right at that point. And I edited it a lot more. And I think that's where the Thought Echoes idea comes into play because a book, once you finish that first draft, a lot of people think it's, either near set or as set as it will be, but it can really, really change. And you can add a lot to it. And there's a lot that you don't put in first draft and you know you, you can go in and add, which is what I ended up doing. Um, but other projects have really been sitting in my mind for a while. And there's one I really wanna to get to that is a middle grade story. And it's like an epistolatory style, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, which I think is pretty intriguing. And I know, for instance, my daughters would love reading it. So I figure other kids would would too. It's very popular, but it, it has a very specific subject. And I thought about doing it way back in, oh God, I was still in college. So it's been mm. uh, 20 years, um, embarrassingly. So it has been percolating for a while and it's changed from what the original idea was, which is a, a good thing, I think. Um, and well, I think a, other sources too. I um, think a lot of authors are want to be authors are heartened when they hear about how long it takes. You know, somebody 
it will come out as a quote unquote overnight success, but you know, the original idea came to them a decade ago or they started it and put it down. And that um, it, it's like I used to, when somebody made some comment about, you know, Picasso doesn't start in the upper left-hand corner and then paint <laughs> across, right. you know, there are layers and there are, there's time that passes and there's input you get and the more life you live, Anytime you write that story from where you are is a vantage point, but fast forward, I mean, you got married and you had a child. And so that experience had to have fed back in, in yeah. some way. It's not like the the daughter had a child. Again, I don't want to give away the, what the permutations were, but it's there that that experience you had had to have contributed to, you know, the final version of it versus had you finished it in 2009 it would have been a different book. It did actually a lot because, uh, and you mentioned um, where women are in society and there's a small sub, well, not small, a sub theme of Scattered is uh, Ellie Rutherford wanting to do more of her life than she could have in yes. 96. And when she time travels to 2006, she realizes how much society has changed for women mm -hmm. for the better. Mm -hmm. And when I first started writing this, I was fresh at a job. I was the only woman engineer in my uh, department mm -hmm. and the only woman in the building of 50 people, except for one office administrator. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it struck me that this was an unusual situation. Um, but I was, you know, that kind of informed what I wanted Ellie to do. Um, and then she, she never really thought about what else is going to be happening in her life, let's say, besides a career, mm -hmm. um, because she's, she's still young. You know, we don't always think about, you know, marriage and, and such, you know, right when you turn 20. Right. Th these days, right? Right. Um, so I had, I got married and I actually I had two daughters, very sweet. And so I know that women have a lot that we can do, right? We can have families and we can have careers and we can have both and we can have different mixtures of that. Right. And so I went back and I changed a little bit of uh, how Ellie interacted with her friends and the discussions that they had and, and such. It totally is a different, was a different perspective because of that, you're right. And yeah. it would have been a different, had a different feel to it, I think. Yeah, I mean, you would have had an intellectual perspective, but then you had lived experience that you were able to bring in. So what, what kind of engineering did you go into? Mechanical. Mechanical. I was at computer science. So I was one of three in my graduating class. So yes. I, I hear oh. you. I hear you. Oh, you were even more rare than I was. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm older than you. I'm older than you. Oh, just, just a little. <laughs> um, where'd you go to school? Uh, for un undergrad in, um, in uh, McGill. In McGill. Oh, that's okay. Okay. All right. Got it. Which makes the connection that I mean, it makes it even better because you lived that, not read about or just visited it. You actually yeah. were in the school. So that's pretty cool. Um, the next question, the next thing I wanted to ask you is that um, when we think about, we talked about the echoes, personal echoes to us. But when you, th I also look at, at thought echoes in terms of what we say and do that affects those around us family and friends that we may not realize. Um, and I don't mean dramatically, like you said something that really offended somebody or you said something that really inspired them. 
it's a more subtle that um, when we are in conversation with people, sharing our thoughts and dreams and whatnot, that there's a ripple effect that our, you know, it's like we put a seed of something into the conversation and there's a ripple effect in terms of how people respond to that and how we engage with that. So can you talk or can you speak to how you imagine that our thoughts, how we're so entangled with each other, with our thoughts and how, you know, we think that we came up with the thought when we're bombarded with all these inputs. So yes, we're the one that chose to speak that thought, but we're, it, we're so entangled. It's like, there's, it's not, we're, we don't live in isolation. And so our thoughts have an entanglement with them and scattered was really an example of through the times it was, you know, the people between the two main characters and whatnot, but can you speak? That was a long winded way of saying how, how would you describe or have you experienced how our thoughts are entangled with other people? I, I think a lot of writers, right. We hear what other people say around us and we're not, not in a voyeuristic way, but I think we naturally eavesdrop because it's, I think, really helpful to pick up not just, you know, a term of a phrase or a vocabulary word, but sometimes you hear really good quotes that other people have said. And it's actually kind of a fun um, writing exercise to kind of listen in, pick somebody's interesting sentence, write it down, and then go write a story based on that. Mm. And I think that that's we unconsciously fun. do that all day long. And then that's, where our stories grow from. I think we absorb different situations in terms of where we are. You know, maybe you're at the zoo and there's just a, a family going through it and their dynamic you pick up on and you absorb, maybe it's not even their words, but how they interact with each other. Mm -hmm. And then you, you think of uh, a story and, and that family's dynamic is maybe the basis for how the mother acts toward her child and how they are, how the mother interacts with her child, her daughter, let's say. And I think that is how these stories grow. I, I think people, people think we're coming up with unique ideas all the time. And yes, there are really unique books, mm -hmm. but there are millions of books written every year, every month, right? Mm -hmm. It increases more and more. Not all those are unique. We're writing about the same things we absorb what other what we read and what we hear and yeah they're different takes on things but we're always feeding into this collective hive of creativity mm -hmm. and we're seeding each other's stories subconsciously um and sometimes sometimes consciously like I like I said you build on something interesting that you hear I think it's impossible not to borrow something that you have have read or heard, or mm -hmm. even in a song. Song mm -hmm. lyrics are fantastic, you know, the beautiful poetry. Right, that we've been watching uh, Yellowstone. And after you watch three episodes of it, it's like, I'm starting to talk like a cowboy when I go to the kitchen <laughs> to get something. And it's hard not to, I mean, when you're, when you're um, kind of marinating in something for a period of time, mm -hmm. it's hard not to, you know, hard not to pick up different things, so. Um, oh yes, so. we do that all the time when watching, like Downton Abbey or something. Yeah, you sound very posh for a while. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, can you tell me about the creative projects that you're working on now? 
Sure. Uh, it's another sci-fi novel, and this one is actually set in the future. It's dystopian, and it has, uh, because I, I like, I have an interest in science, obviously, this mm -hmm. has a medical bend to it, mm. and <clears throat> like a health, you know, the, the, let's say society is on a health kick, and uh, it's a very different society than our typical one, and I'm not going to um, go too far into it, but uh, there's a, a group of women that are trying to take things over for uh, for women collectively. And uh, the, the amount of, of government control is is pretty interesting and it all has to, has to do with people's health and uh, monitoring of, of people that way. And uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm, I don't know, 85% the way done with the first draft. So hopefully, hopefully that comes out this year. Great. When did you, uh, were you washing dishes when you got this idea? <laughs> Oh gosh. Well, I how did you get this idea? I don't even remember, but I started this one actually in 2015 and uh, I put it down. I started it during the NaNoWriMo and it was not yeah. working. Mm -hmm. And so I, I put it away until last fall and then I, I replotted it and I really like it now. And uh, yeah, I think it has potential, but it, it's funny that idea, once I started writing it, I realized that I borrowed a lot from uh, oh, Saint, uh, Sawyer, uh, his hominid series, his last name is Sawyer. And uh. um, it's a very interesting way that he has his uh, his society set up there where the men and women are separate. And uh, I was thinking of Handmaid's idea. Tale. When you talked about health and controlling, I thought Handmaid's Tale was Margaret Atwood's yes. that came to mind. It's sort of a reverse of that in a way. It's very, it's very funky. Yeah. Um, like you can't help but but take good ideas, and you're not literally copying, but right, uh, right. All the good stuff and right, you know, make right. your own. No, it's just like seeing a color you like, and you do something, you know, completely different with it. But you saw it someplace, and it spoke to you for whatever reason. So, yes. Um, so that's all good. Uh, so, do you have any other um, kind of words of wisdom? to I'll say fellow writers or people in general in terms of how you interact with your thoughts? I, I think authors are probably the most in tune people with their thoughts on the planet. There are other creatives, you know, lyricists mm -hmm. too, but finding a quiet space to, to make sure that you have that time, at least, you know, once a week, I think is really good. And sometimes it is washing dishes or to take a walk outside where there's no traffic or, you know, maybe a long bath or a shower and just completely let your mind clear. You can come up with, well, you can let your brain release yes. the thoughts that it's been making all this time. <laughs> Try to get your attention. You can write it down. Like I have a word file of all my story ideas mm -hmm. and there's a lot in there and most of them will never be made into a story mm -hmm. but they all came out at some time and I think they all have potential well maybe some of them are garbage but uh to be honest but they all came out of that downtime you have to let your brain switch off sometime and, and let, yeah. let the to-do list go let someone else deal with it for a while do you have um you know talking about uh, uh authors being in touch with their thoughts and the characters talking, do you have in your head while the characters are talking, it's, you know, when you watch a movie and there's a director's cut 
commentary in there. So do you find yourself layering or do you try to be quiet to just, you know, dictate kind of what they've said rather than interacting, asking questions, or is this what you meant? You know, more lucid dreaming, I guess, like in terms of your engagement with them. Yeah, I think there is a little bit of a director's voice, but it tends to be the character's inner self-doubt and inner Mm. thoughts. I write my style. I tend to put a character's deep thoughts in italics. Ah, of just, just so you capture them. Prose. So you capture yeah. that. Okay. Yeah. And usually I'm just trying to write down the conversation fast enough, especially like prose is a lot slower for me, but when conversations are running through my head and I'm trying right. to type them out, I feel like I just can't type fast enough. And sometimes I'll skip ahead two lines, write down like what I, what is going to be said coming up and then I'll go back and plug in what's being said in real time. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, funky trying to let your thoughts come to come out in the right order. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I know that um, there'll be times when I'm writing or I'm in that zone and then I get interrupted, whether it's uh, my husband coming in or one of the kids texting or whatever. Yes. And you're just like, can you just wait a second, you know, while yes. I capture this and I've gotten better at doing that rather than I'll remember it. I'll remember it. And you kind of hold on to a word or a phrase and it's kind of like, no, I don't remember. I don't oh, remember no. it. So um, you do want to, so with all the, the, uh, idea babies that you have on the page, do you get frustrated by not being able to do something with them? Or does it feel like it's a well of, I can go back anytime I want to look at a project. I've got all these ideas that I can go look at first to see what I can mine. Uh, yeah, it's a security blanket in that way, but mostly I am a little frustrated that I can't write faster and get it all done. Like I have three projects that I want to do next and I don't know what to choose. Yeah. Is that, I mean, but that's good, right? You you want to have a a glut of ideas. Right. Right. And I know I try, I've been trying to, because I have those all, I do this journaling and this Natalie um, Goldberg during COVID. um, I had read about her writing down the bones and, way back. And that's actually how the chapbook got done as I went back and revisited some of the poetry I'd written back then. And that became the chapbook. But coincidentally, you know, through a bunch of different serendipitous stuff, she was doing an um, writing intensive and had to do it over Zoom because we had COVID and Mm -hmm. she hated that and didn't want to do it. But we didn't know how long COVID was in. So it was an eight week. And so her idea was that you write every day with these prompts which are really topics to her that you can revisit. But she said not to go back and reread for um, like at least two weeks, two months is better. And so there'd be this gap on purpose to let it simmer because she goes, you're going to write stuff and come back. It's like, I have no idea where that came from. And she said, you come back months later and then it's like, wow, that was really impactful. And I had no idea when I wrote it. So um, I'm two years behind my transcriptions, but I'll go back and read the stuff. And it's like, ah, there's a little gem here and I don't know what to do. I, I want to do something with it and I don't know what to do with it. And so sometimes I admit to having frustration with all these little things that I'd like to, you know, I'd like to do something with. So I get that yes. having a long list of ideas is um, both inspiring and I just have to step back and kind of be grateful that I have all these ideas and I get to pick, you yes. know, which one. So not let it overwhelm you. Right. Right. Well, um, keep in touch. Cause we'll, I'll put things up, um, for scattered 
and Thank give all your contact information for people, but uh, keep in touch in terms of when the next book comes out. And it was delightful to talk to you. Thank you for sharing your process and how you interact with your thoughts. Oh, thanks for having me on. This was a really interesting conversation to have, really enlightening for me too. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Beth. Thank you for listening. As with all other podcasts, if you enjoyed this, please like, review, subscribe, and share with others. Hope to see you next time.